Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing? I I bet they're doing great. I think they are. I mean, they're listening to us, so they yep. must. Their day just got suddenly better <laughs> when they downloaded yep. this podcast, right? Yep. I'm listening very closely, and I can I can hear quiet little shouts of joy coming from them. Reverse sound, whatever that is. Yes, all that <laughs> stuff. It's another it's another episode of our little sermon summer sermon song series uh, continuation. Is it the first episode? Is it the last episode? Is it the third? We don't know. No. It doesn't really matter. But we still like alliteration as we talk about the summer sermon song series, and we are seeking the sacred in the secular. Yes. For this supplemental series. (laughs) How's that? that? Tell us who you are. Uh, I am Damon Heitman. Who are you? I'm Greg Allen Pickett. Right. And uh, we've got one song that we're going to do on this brief episode. And that song is From a Distance. Uh, It was made really popular by Bette Midler, uh, though it was written in 1985 by Julie Gold. And it was first recorded in 1987 by Nancy Griffith. Um, Bet covered it in 1990. That 1990 release also coincided with the Persian Gulf War, interestingly enough. And so I think some of the lyrics and some of the themes were, were very important to people at the time. Julie Gold, the songwriter, stated that she believes in an imminent and uh, beneficent God and also thinks that people have a right to interpret the song any way they want, as with all art. Uh, she has stated that the song is about the difference between how things appear and how they really are. So let's give a listen to From a Distance. It's the 
So there you go. From a distance. That's the Bette Midler version, uh, as people may have recognized. This called to mind a, a couple of different scripture readings um, and a couple of sort of divergent psalms. Uh, one is a psalm of lament and discomfort, and the other is a psalm of comfort. Uh, so, And that's sort of the paradox of this song, because on the one hand, it feels like a song of hope, but then the final lyric is that God is watching us from a distance. Yeah, it's <laughs> this song is really strange to me. It's paradoxical. Yeah, it's really... But of course, you know, I suppose the human experience is paradoxical, and the experience of faith is paradoxical. Uh, but Full of paradox. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a better way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. So... And but. So the first psalm you picked is 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 one that is uh, a common form of psalm in the mm-hmm. book of Psalms, a, a psalm of lament, right? Of crying out to God, of asking, uh, asking why God is distant, why God is not near. So uh, I'll I'll read that one. Okay. This is Psalm thirteen, and the psalmist writes, "How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever?" How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death, and my enemy will say I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But... I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because God has dealt bountifully with me. And the second psalm that uh, that I've selected is Psalm 23, a very well-known psalm of comfort and of rejoicing. And it reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. And those are the scripture readings. Both good psalms. Yeah. I uh, I appreciate the psalms of lament for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked about this in some of my sermons, and, and it turns out the psalms of lament have come up more than once in this summer sermon song series. Oh, um, as we find that pattern that we see in the Psalm of Lament, which is expressing being disconcerted, expressing being lost, uh, and then maybe some resolution towards the end of it, which is sort of the pattern that those Psalms of Lament follow. Mm-hmm. But I like that they also give us permission to call out, to cry out to God. Yeah. To, to say, hey, things are not okay, and I'm not okay with the current situation. And and right. the psalmist gives us permission to do that ourselves, to recognize mm-hmm. God's shoulders are big enough to handle even our laments. Yeah, and that the psalmist is is calling God to task. Yeah. In, in, like, if you are God, then 
what's up yeah (laughs) then what's going on then why then why am i experiencing this or or why is the world the way that it is um and 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 it's it's liberating i think in a lot of ways that we have examples like this in our core text of faith that give us permission to do these sorts of things and ask these kinds of questions and express these sorts of emotions. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started recording. To me, everything about this song musically says Psalm 23. Like everything about it musically is very like uplifting and and positive and gives you like those good feeling vibes. Everything about it lyrically gives a much different sort of image like lyrically it's it says everything looks really nice from a distance but then when you get up close the reality is is different well but the song doesn't say when you get up close the reality is different it implies that but it doesn't come out and say that because it spends its entire time describing the world from a distance it never never actually zooms in right sure and so that's 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 the question. Uh, what is the songwriter wrestling with? Um, and so I, do you think that the songwriter thinks that things up close look the same as they look from a distance? I'm not sure that the songwriter even wants to answer that question. Uh-huh. So one of the one of the quotes that popped in my head as I was listening to the song, and I'll be honest with you, like I this is a song from my childhood early teen years mm-hmm. uh i liked the lilty sure. melodious yes yeah. of it mm-hmm. uh i never paid that close of attention to the lyrics <laughs> until we actually sat down and listened to it and i've got them printed out here in front of me but as i was as i was listening you have uh the the first refrain that there's harmony it's the voice of hope it's the voice of peace and then you have a refrain about abundance. There will be enough. No one is in need. Also peace. But peace beyond simply an absence of conflict, a shalom, a wholeness, right? There's no disease, no hungry mouths to feed. And then we will become instruments marching in a common band. And uh, I thought of the Martin Luther King quote that the, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. Right. So when we're up close and personal, for example, when Martin Luther King was fighting the civil rights fight and he was being directly attacked, it was hard to see the hope in that moment. But what what this quote says and and to me, what the song says, is, if you take a step back, take the long view, Mm -hmm. you realize that it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's working towards the better. The long view is that it's working towards the better. So if we take a step back and look at it from a distance, there may be really challenging things right in front of us. Right. But but it's getting better. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. And I, I like <laughs> I think I yeah, I think that that is maybe where they where they wanted to go, right? You don't think, think they got there. I think you're saying this is a you can't see the forest for the trees uh, that's yes. situation. Yes. Right? That that sort of idea. Like there is this ideal um 
ideal way that the world should be structured out there. Um, and we're as uh, like sort of slowly coming towards us from the distance. Yeah. Right. And ma- I, I, the, from a distance there is harmony and it's, and it echoes through the land. So it's sort of slowly, this idea of harmony is slowly echoing right. towards us. So, you know, I worked in uh, in helping do water purification projects in developing countries mm-hmm. for uh, about six years, and I still serve on the board of a, a water nonprofit. Um, wh- when I started this work, I started this work in, in 2006. So I guess that would be 13 years ago. And the statistic then was that one billion people, one out of every six people in the world, lack access to safe drinking water. And when I went out into the field and was working on these projects and I met parents of children who had died of waterborne illness, it's just acute. You meet these people who are suffering directly from waterborne disease. Um, But today, that statistic is uh, is 750,000 people. So our population as a world has grown in 13 years. Mm-hmm. But the number of people lacking access to safe drinking water is, is, is coming down. And so if you're right up close on the problem of this sin of not having access to safe drinking water, which I, I, I consider sin because I think it's right. possible we could do it, but we don't have the will to do it. Mm-hmm. But if, if, you, if you zoom in close, it, it's hopeless. Right. But if you take a step back and look at the problem from a distance and you see all of the organizations and churches and everyone else who's working on this problem mm-hmm. and you see that the, the needle is moving slowly, but it's moving. Yeah. Do you think that this is like similar to um, the 10, I guess people oftentimes sort of talk about the, the tendency to, to focus on the negative. Um, and I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about the musical Newsies now. <laughs> Hold on, stay with me. Hold on, we'll get there. I'm trying. <laughs> and uh, so they're there's like they're paper boys. They're selling papers and girls. I think probably um, when they but the people who are like make who are writing the newspapers. So I like, got the start of it. They're they're gathered up outside and they're wondering what the headline for the day is going to be, and they and they're hoping for like the most traumatic headline that you can imagine because they'll sell because, more papers. Yeah, because then they figure they'll be able to sell more papers more easily, um, and and I think that we do have this tendency to to focus on those sorts of things are are more dramatic. And that catches our attention and that pulls us in. Um, and it's easier to focus on those than to focus on. But here are all of these organizations that are working on providing and getting safe, clean drinking water to folks. And right. and here's the progress that has been made over the last 15 years, years yeah. 20 years, 40 years, 50 years. Um, yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I I can see this as a as a song of hope, if that's where they were going. I think there's just this challenge in, but we don't we don't live at a distance from things, right? Right. Like we don't interact at a distance from things. Well, we can kind of because we come up with some pretty good ways to insulate ourselves from the world around us. And some of us have. Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. capacity. 
Yeah. Right. And we can kind of choose with what we want to interact. Um, but I mean, the mountain can look as nice as it wants to look from a hundred miles away. And that doesn't really affect me at all. But like when I'm walking up it, <laughs> that's a different, yeah, that's a different experience. Yeah. And then of course the theological problem that the song presents us with, which is the final, final line that God is watching us from a distance. And, and that's not really, that's not the God we proclaim. We, we, we proclaim a God. No. This is, we started talking about paradox, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the paradoxes that we, we state is that God is both radically eminent and radically transcendent. And those big fancy words, of course, mean that God is both the God of the universe, the God who placed the stars in the sky, and God is the same God who knows us by name and, and counts each hair on our heads. Yeah. Close to us as breathing and distant as the farthest star. Beautifully said. One lit- one liturgy reads. Yes. Or one contemporary Christian song says, <laughs> God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy. Yeah. But also God of the universe, you proclaim your love for me. Right. You are holy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we proclaim a God who is both out there, the creator God who is big and above and over and through all things and a God who is radically present in our lives, not a God who is watching us from a distance. From a distance. Yeah. God is watching us. Very comforting. You know? God is watching us. From a distance. And that's <laughs> the theological problem this song. <laughs> so you want an ad you want to add a line here. It says God is watching us from a distance and is radically here. eminent in our lives. <laughs> oh, here. There we leave it leave it to the more musical of the two of us to come up with a better lyric. God is here. Here. There it is. God, God is. Um the only other sort of thing that this that this song kind of reminded me of was um this uh this this there's a well-known image uh that's referred to as the pale blue dot. Um and I think that it was Voyager 2. I don't know. I should have looked it up. I have looked it up in the past. I didn't look it up this time. But they send Voyager. It was, it was an unpersoned space vessel. They send out, and its its mission was to just go, to just to reach the edge of the solar system and then keep going and send back data about different stuff along the way. And it had reached the point where... like. It had a camera on it and it could take photos and send them back. And it had reached the point where that was going to be the last point where it could take an image and then send it back and have enough battery left to do that. And so Carl Sagan, who was involved in the project, suggested that they turn the camera so that it was facing towards Earth and take a photo of Earth from Millions. however many miles away. Yes. Right? And And of course, the image that they get back... If you didn't know that that was Earth, you wouldn't have any idea. It's just it's a little pixel in there, right? So it's um, so it's this image of Earth from a vast distance, distance. right? Um, and so then Carl Sagan, in his book *Pale Blue Dot: A Vision of the Human Future in Space*, 
he wrote about this image. And I'm just going to read part of that quote now. He writes, uh, and and maybe folks want to look up, they can they can give it a Google. They can find this image pretty easily, right? Um, look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. And he goes on to talk about how this image causes us to sort of rethink our place in the universe to to a certain extent. Um, and he, he talks about, think of all of the, the blood that has been spilled fighting over one, like one pixel of this thing that if you didn't know what it was you wouldn't have any idea perspective right yeah and maybe the song is trying to offer us some perspective to take a step back to view the world from a distance yeah i think that's and and mm -hmm. see the good right that yeah there's up close there's there's some really terrible stuff that could happen Mm -hmm. uh, some challenging stuff that we're dealing with personally and and even as a nation but if we take a step back we realize that uh, that mm -hmm. the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice yeah which is a good thing amen yeah well that seems like just about it for From a Distance um, as performed by Bette Midler and as by written by um, whoever it was Julie Gold Julie Gold so um, until next time, I'm Damon. I'm Greg, and thanks for tuning in. Toodaloo.